visiting or regular, if you could raise your hand. Um, right now, all we're going to have you do is raise your hand. This is our, our Father's Day gift, is you get to choose where a donation from the church is going to go, okay? We did this with the mothers, and it is a blessing to various ministries, and we have a variety. If you're into fishing, you can do that. If you're into bikes and vehicles, you have a donation here. Or if you're into cattle and donkeys, I don't mean political donkeys, I mean every party has a lot of donkeys in it, okay? But um, if you're into farming, you can, and what we want you to do is just circle the one you're interested in, and at the close of the service, um, we're going to have the men come up here, and you can bring them up and just set them on the the table here, or you can lay them on the secretary's desk after the service. Did everybody get one? Every man, every father get one of these. And um, this is a way that, as a church, we can help spread the gospel around the world and meet needs at the same time and and see God work. You know, it's, it's always... Um, an interesting day when it's when it's Father's Day. Um, some think, oh no, it's Father's Day, and 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 in some regards, it isn't. A, they may not have good memories of their father, and it it may be a, a very difficult day. Um, sometimes men come in and thinking, well, pin my ears back, we're going to get hammered today, and. That's why the wives make sure you're here on Father's Day, right? Or something like that. But, you know, um, being a father is is really a very, very difficult job. I mean, without a moment's notice, you're called upon to make decisions. A father of five children had won a toy at a drawing at an event he went to, and he called his kids together. I mean, he has one toy, five kids. And he asked, who is the most obedient? And there was silence. Who never talks back to mother? And there was silence. Who does everything mother says? And in unison, the five voices replied, okay, daddy, you get the toy. (laughs) Here he thought he was on to a way to, to distribute this toy, but, you know, The wisdom that a father has to have after putting their three-year-old to bed, his parents heard muffled sobs coming from the bedroom and, of course, thinking, oh, what's going on now? Well, they go in there and they found, here's little Brian crying hysterically, and they finally ask him, what happened? He said, I accidentally swallowed a penny, and now I'm going to die. I mean, they calmed him down, and and the father immediately, you know, he reached in his pocket, and and he grabbed a penny, and he goes up to the kid's ear and and pulls out a penny and says, You're all right. You're going to be just fine. The child was thrilled, and the tears stopped. And in a flash, he snatched the penny from his dad's hand, swallowed it again, and said, Do it again, Daddy! 
You know, even when you try your best, it, it sometimes backfires on you. But there's always a time for revenge, isn't there? Bob was 16, had just got his driver's license, and in order to celebrate this special event, the whole family went out to the driveway and climbed in the car to enjoy his first official drive. But Dad got in the back seat right behind the driver's seat. And Bob said, Dad, you must be fed up with riding up front with me and teaching me how to drive And he said, nope, I'm sitting back here so I can kick the back of your seat like you've been doing mine for 16 years. (laughs) How many of you can relate to that? I can, I've tried to not complain about that because I grew up with my dad complaining about that, you know, quit kicking the back of my seat, you know, and, and I can't say I've always done that, but. Man, they've got to make seats pretty strong on the to, – to, and how many of you grew up with bench seats in the front, right? So there were four of us boys, and often four of us would be in the back. So I imagine we could really rock that thing, you know what I'm saying? But in God's design, God has really – put together this aspect of fathering to the point that God himself identifies as our father. I read recently, I don't even remember what, but um, some church voted, some denomination voted to have a gender-neutral Bible. Well, you destroy, you destroy the very image of God when you do that. And that is heretical and disastrous. God is the designer of men and women and fatherhood and motherhood. And he has put in the heart of human beings a need for being fathered which runs very, very deep. Our spirits long to be fathered by the father of our dreams. And, and sad to say, many, many people are, are sadly disappointed. And we grow up, we, we have a society today that is, is just inexplainable the number of children that are growing up that are not in a relationship with their father, and how many don't even know who their father is. And that is very problematic to any society. And and yet when we realize this great need to have a father and God's design of that, we must come back and understand as well that the fathering need can truly only be met by the perfect Father, and that is God. And understanding that God is our Father, not only in the sense that God is the Creator, but God is our Heavenly Father as believers only by faith in Jesus Christ. 
God created all people, but God is not in a father relationship with all people. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26 says, we are all the children of God, and many people stop right there. We are all the children of God if you think we are all his creation. But Galatians is saying, we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. You do not become a member of God's family except through faith in Jesus Christ. Except through coming to the point where you realize that I am a sinner and have violated the holy nature of God And I need the forgiveness that only God can give. And you call upon Jesus Christ. And then it says throughout Scripture that we are adopted into his family. That we are able to say, as we've sung, Abba, Father. That that's an endearing term. That's a, it's like calling dad, daddy, or along that terms. That it's a very personal term that is used. There are many, many people that, that, um, as we said earlier, have grown up in homes, um, sad to say, with abusive fathers, with absent fathers, with uh, negligent fathers. And thankfully, regardless of our upbringing, and understand there are no perfect fathers, But regardless of what our upbringing has had or has lacked, every one of us can have the perfect Father in our Heavenly Father. There are many, many people that go through life and and they are continually mulling over the fact of what they missed out on in life, And in relation to Father's Day, maybe continually feeling sorry for themselves because they think they maybe got cheated in regard to who their father is. And sad to say, in in way too many cases, one is way too many, in in cases where there have been abusive fathers. But the reality is, in spite of all that, thankfully the gospel came And everyone can have the perfect Father in the Heavenly Father. And it's important for us to realize that we can enjoy our Heavenly Father. I understand God, and we'll talk about this, that that God is designed, and in His original plan, He designed fathers to, to teach their children about God the Father, but just because maybe that has broken down in some cases does not mean we cannot know God the Father, does not mean that that we'll be spiritual dwarfs because we don't understand that. We can know our Heavenly Father and have a relationship with Him that completely changes our life. And it's understanding that is foundational in understanding God is understanding that He is our Father by faith in Christ Jesus. 
And thankfully, one of the blessings of the gospel is we are brought to that relationship as having God as our Father. Now, a distinguishing characteristic of God is his love. It is, it is one of many characteristics. It is not the, the number one attribute, if you please, but it is a distinguishing, meaning it separates him from other aspects of other gods and other religions, is that our Father is a God of love. We've heard um, mentioned to us in numerous times, various people coming in and, and teaching us about this aspect. That is That is one distinguishing characteristic of difference between Christianity and Islam. Our God is the author of love. His name is love. He he personifies it. In Islam, there is no name for love, for Muhammad, and so on. And that aspect. So that John wrote in 1 John chapter 3, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. We sang it earlier. Behold, what manner of love. This is God's love. What what made it that he sent his son to be the substitute to take the penalty of our death. What made that? It was his love for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We need to know the Father's love because he is love. He is an over-the-top, overwhelming kind of love that he really desires to lavish upon us. I really think that many times we fail to understand how, how God desires to bless and, and, and desires to make us objects of his love. He is not a stingy father. He is extremely generous in revealing and pouring out his love to us. So that John, when he says, behold, what manner, it's like, I can't even begin to explain it. I can't even begin to to comprehend it. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath given to us that we, that I should be called a son of God, that I should be adopted into his family. I think many times we grow up thinking, why wouldn't God love me? And it's easy for us to think, and and I'm not as bad as a lot of people around. Why wouldn't we fail to comprehend our pride and rebellion and and to think that, that God would love me? And in understanding his love, his love is absolutely, absolutely impenetrable. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 8. Very familiar passage. 
Romans chapter 8 and verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now notice what he says. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Think of the security that is there. Nothing can break through and disrupt that love. Another um, translation says, I am absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, nothing angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between me and God's love. Think of that. You talk about peace, you talk about security, you talk about satisfying, and in understanding, a distinguishing characteristic of God is His love. In Jeremiah 31, in verse 3, he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Everything that Father God does is motivated by His everlasting love. His love is perpetual, it's unending, it's eternal, it's natural. There was never a time in all of eternity that you were not loved by God. Nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing that you can do to make God love you less than He does right now. He has fully committed his heart and his soul to you. He is the perfect father, and he loves you with a perfect love. We, we sometimes get the idea that, oh, I haven't been very good this week, so God doesn't love me. He can't love you any less, and he can't love you any more. He loves you with a perfect love. His heart may be grieved with us. But his his love is unchangeable. We sometimes get the idea, God, I've really been doing well. I've really been disciplined in my Christian life. I've really been trying to be thankful. I've tried to witness. And, and so, God, would you please answer this prayer? Like, we're going to earn God's love more. You can't earn God's love more. A distinguishing characteristic of God is His love. And He has fully committed His heart and soul to you. So that means, as earthly fathers, we are to model God's love. That we are to love as He loved. And love is not known unless it is shown. For God so loved the world. What if it stopped right there? God so loved the world, period. No, God so loved the world that He gave 
His only begotten Son. Love is not known unless it is manifested. And a father's love needs to involve three areas. And, and the responsibilities and the, the burdens that fall upon fathers is great. But I want you to understand today that number one, when you have come to Christ, you are accepted in the beloved. You don't have to work to earn your acceptance. Many people are motivated, many very, very successful people have been motivated and driven by the desire, I want to hear from my father that he's proud of me. And you know what? Many of them never hear it. And what continues to drive them is that desire. We heard um, Wednesday night in, in what we saw, an Olympic athlete all set to, to win the gold medal in the Olympics had been estranged from his father. And as he got down in the blocks to run his race, he lost focus for one second. When he thought, I wonder if my father is watching. And he ended up getting the bronze medal. And the guy, Ravi Zacharias, who he's talking to, said, well, that, that's commend." He said, I'd give that up in a heartbeat to have my, mother, my father's acceptance. That's that desire. But that should be transferred to, number one, loving God. Earthly fathers are to model God's love, and we should model it, first of all, in loving God. And, and understand, that's all that matters. Jeremiah says, don't boast in your wisdom. Don't boast in your strength. Don't boast in your riches. Don't boast in your accomplishment. Boast in this. Rejoice in this, that you know God. The greatest thing that you can do, fathers, for your children is that they know that you know God. And that doesn't come by saying, oh, I know God. It doesn't come by just telling them that you've accepted Christ as your Savior. It comes by living out a relationship with God. And in understanding, that comes through day in and day out having a heart that seeks after God. Do your kids know, not because you say, hey, look at me, I'm reading my Bible, but do they know you have a heart for God? Do they know that, that you enjoy prayer? Do, you, do they know that you enjoy the things of God? What is there that evidences that? What is there that says you love God? And don't just say, well, look at I'm here today. I could have my dog here today, too. You know what I'm saying? Just being at church doesn't mean it can mean that. If it's manifested in other areas of our life. But the number one thing, Dad, that you need to build in your life, that we need to build in our lives, 
is to love God. Number two, and, and we've been reminded of this in, in our Sunday school, but in, in loving your wife, to love your wife without reservation, you can't do any more for your kids than loving your wife. The, the best and, and foremost thing that you can do for your children is to love your wife. And I cannot properly love my wife unless I first of all love God. And then thirdly, it's loving your children. I'm not tarrying long on number two, not because it's not important, because it is important. But we've been dealing with it in Sunday school recently. But notice, thirdly, loving your children. Make sure that your children know that you love them no matter what. This is not to be confused with permissiveness. Unconditional love does nothing to encourage the wrong behavior. In fact, kids who are secure in their father's love um, oftentimes tend to act out less. And unconditional love doesn't mean you just accept whatever, whatever they do. Tough love doesn't shy away from the hard times and the crucial times. But through those difficult times, Dad, you can never let your kids know that your love has limits. I can remember at some very difficult times in parenting, looking a child in the eyes and saying, you know what, no matter what you do, you cannot stop me from loving you. There's times you don't want to love, but it's not a matter of feeling. Love is doing what is best for the one loved. And no matter what you do, you cannot stop God from loving you. And no matter what a child does, it doesn't mean you approve their behavior, but your love must pursue them to the very end of your life. And it's, it's that unconditional love that is the greatest gift that can be given. See, we often get angry. Someone said, my father was often angry when I was most like him. Isn't that the truth? Sad to say. But it's giving that understanding. No, I don't approve of this behavior, but I love you and I am committed to you and nothing can turn me away from that. It means expressing your love. To say, and, and it's hard, um, most of us were raised with parents that didn't say, I love you. That's just the way society was. We knew they loved us. There was no question of that. But it wasn't, it wasn't said. 
I don't remember hearing it, and, and, and maybe they did, but I don't remember hearing it until I was away in college. And, and that's just the way it was. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's right. We are to love as the Father. How does the Father, how often does the Father say, I love you? You read the Bible and it's over and over and over again. And it's expressing that love. It's, it's writing a note of appreciation. It's writing a note and saying, I love you. It's just verbally saying, I love you. And it's showing that you love them by spending time with your children. No amount of money, no toys, no trips, no games can be a substitute for a time that a father spends with his children. I, I like sports and athletics, but I believe it is a, a thing that is contributing, a small contributor to the destruction of our family. When's the last time you saw a dad out playing ball with his kids? No, they're at the Little League. They're at the soccer club. They're at this. They're at that. Everything's organized. We had a a coach come in, um, proactive coaching, and he said, "Our, our society, we're not teaching conflict resolution because we don't play sandlot ball anymore. You remember, how many of you played sandlot ball? Maybe you weren't in a sandlot, but what happens? You're out. No, I was saved. Well, fine. I'm going home. Give me that ball. I'm going. No, wait a minute. So what happens? There had to be conflict resolutions. Every got, everybody got together, beat him up, and then you played again, okay? And he said, we're not teaching leadership. Because all the leadership is done by adults. But when, when it was just kids out in the lot playing football, somebody had to say, ah, all right, let's pick up teams. You know, somebody had. And when fathers don't spend time with kids, it ends up hurting everyone, manifesting our love. Harmon Killebrew, who, how many of you know who Harmon Killebrew is? He, he's in the Hall of Fame. He was a Minnesota Twins baseball player, home run hitter. He said, my father used to play with my brother and me in the yard, and mother would come out and say, you're tearing up the grass. And he said, my father would say, we're not raising grass, we're raising boys. You know what? Relationships are more important than anything. Jim Valvano, who was the coach of the North Carolina State team that had a terrific Cinderella run and won the national championship, said, My father gave me the greatest gift anyone could give another person. He believed in me. He was for me. But all of that must be built on the foundation that God intends them to have, 
and that it must be built on a walk with Christ. His is the greatest love that we can ever know, and we must try to manifest that love to them, but they will see our failings, and we must understand and point them to Jesus Christ. Why? Because the day's going to come when we're going to die. And they're not going to have an earthly father. And those of you that have lost your earthly fathers understand that, that that changes everything in life. But I'm so glad that my father made sure that there was a foundation built in my life that although my earthly father was gone, I have a heavenly father that will never leave me nor forsake me. And I can rest in that. The greatest thing I can do is model a godly life for my children. There's some of you young people or adults that are sitting here and say, you know what, my dad didn't spend time with me. And you might be saying, he doesn't say I love you. And let me tell you, there are subtle ways that your dad says I love you. Here, here. Going into this today, here's three purposes I had for this today, and we'll see if we're getting close to any of them, okay? Number one purpose is to draw everyone to our perfect Father, our Heavenly Father. Number two, I want fathers to draw close to their children and to say, you know what, I need to show love. And and what a joy it would be if fathers that maybe struggle with saying I love you would learn to say I love you and that don't take time would learn to take time and so on. So on. But thirdly, it's to cause children to understand and honor your father. Listen, we as fathers of all people know we're not perfect. But there are subtle ways that your dad shows his love. And maybe he doesn't say, I love you. And that doesn't excuse it, but don't hold it against him. There are subtle ways he shows his love. He's always trying to do favors for you. He prides himself on being a car guru for you. Okay? Oh, we can fix that. What's the matter? He brags to you about his friends. I mean, he brags about you to his friends. Some of them do the other, too, okay? He brags about you to his friends. And you know what? Some, a lot of times you don't hear that. He will do anything to help you out of a tough spot. He gets excited when you sh- have a shared interest. Something you like and he likes, that shared interest. He's picky about who you date. You think he's just being mean. He's saying, I love you. He pushes you to build your confidence. No, get out of your comfort zone. Go do that. Go do that. Why? Why is he doing that? He's, he's wanting me to fail. He's wanting me to look stupid. No, if you just stay in your comfort zone, you're never going to get confidence. You're never going to do anything. And you're thinking, oh, why are you pushing me into that? Because he loves you. 
He hurts when you hurt. But sometimes he doesn't show it because somebody's got to be tough around here. But you don't see the times when he goes to bed and his heart breaks. You don't see the times when he's crying out to God and saying, God, have mercy on him. He hurts when you hurt. And often you don't see it. But that's his way of saying, I love you. He always wants to make you better. You're thinking, he's never satisfied. And he's saying, no, never rest until your good is better and your better is best. That was good. And you're thinking, oh, but why is he saying that? Because he loves you. He knows there's more potential in there. And he tries to prepare you for the harshness and the reality of life. Life is not easy. And life is not kind. And he wants to prepare you so when the storms come that it doesn't blow you away. He wants to prepare you. And yeah, it seems like he's pushing you, but he prepares you for the harshness and the reality of life. So don't don't hold it against your dad. Love him. And we admit we're not perfect. So as I said, my my three goals going into this is regardless of who your father has been and how he has been, you must draw to the perfect father and enjoy him. And, And dads, how's your love life? How's your love for God? Is it showing? Do you love your wife? What can you do today to improve in that area? And do you love your children? You know what? It does, all the jobs in the world aren't going to make up for those three areas. We're going to answer to God for how we've loved God, how we've loved our wife, and how we've loved our children. We're not going to answer for how much money we made. We're not going to answer, oh, look at this wonderful thing I built here. Those are three areas we're going to answer. And then, children, do you understand that although we often fail in manifesting it, that the heart of a genuine father loves his children? Somebody said... um, By the time a man realizes that maybe his father is right, he usually has a son who thinks he's wrong. Isn't that the truth? Have a little premature nostalgia and cut your dad a little grace. I'm not saying approve what is wrong, but do you understand this is a battle that we're in together? Heavenly Father, I'm so glad that we can call you our Heavenly Father. Lord, I cannot thank you enough for the way you have fathered me. For the things you've pushed me into to get me out of my comfort zone. For the discipline you've brought in my life. 
for the affirmation of your love, for your accessibility, for very the very life physically and spiritually that you have given. I thank you that you are my heavenly Father and that nothing can separate us from your love. Lord, I pray today if there is one here that has not known your love and responded to it in receiving Christ, I pray today that they would come to you by faith in Jesus Christ. Before they leave, that they'd mention it to someone. And Lord, that that would be settled, that they would know you are their heavenly Father. And then, Lord, I pray for each person here today, regardless of the fathers you put in our lives, Lord, thank you for each one that is has had a godly father and for that heritage. And then, Lord, for those that maybe didn't, I pray that you would grant them grace and that they may be brought to realize and value the fact that you are our Heavenly Father. And I pray that you would strengthen the homes of each one here. Lord, we pray today your blessing, and may you be glorified through these truths today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I'd like